Hello, my name is Preston Thomas, and this is episode four of The Way of Jesus. In earlier episodes, I noted that Jesus taught we are all sons and daughters of God and asked a question that has long fascinated me. What does it mean to be and to live as a child of God? Jesus' most basic answer to this question is that as God's child, my part is to do my Father's will. In his original Gospel of the Kingdom, Jesus taught that God is our loving spiritual Father. And when we believe this good news, we thereby declare our devotion to the doing of our Father's will, and we enter the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? In the Lord's Prayer, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus revealed that the kingdom of God is the will of God. The kingdom Jesus taught is the rule of his heavenly Father, dominant and transcendent in the hearts of individual believers. What is God's will? The most basic answer to this question is that God's will is love. We are commanded to love God supremely and our neighbor as ourself. Love is the greatest of all spirit realities and the rule of living within the kingdom of God. Love is the desire to do good to others. Our love is nurtured by our service. Jesus emphasized the importance of service to both God and our fellow man. He taught that it is more blessed to give than to receive and declared to his apostles, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Jesus' religion is a religion of love and service. God's will for us is also that we be born of the Spirit. This is the change of mind that takes place when we choose to do the Father's will. It is a change of orientation, whereby we become more receptive to God's inner spirit leadings and begin to show forth the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives. Paul lists some of this fruit of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The birth of the Spirit is a change of mind that takes place by faith. It is by faith, simple childlike belief, that we enter the Father's kingdom. And it is by the confident and mature faith of an adult that we advance in the kingdom. In the development of our personal faith, we should look to Jesus. His life example demonstrates the ideal human faith. His faith was not a mere belief that he espoused, but rather a living faith, an inner spiritual attitude that dominated every phase of his life. It was his spiritual anchorage that steadied him through the many trials and tribulations of his life 
as well as a cruel and unjust death. Jesus wants his followers to share his faith, to trust in God as he trusted in God, and to believe in men as he believed in men. Jesus wants us to live confidently and securely in our status as children of an all-powerful and all-loving God. I will now continue with part four of I Am a Son of God. The Father's will for us is that we ever advance in our control of self and all that pertains to the desires of the flesh. No one can do this for us. It is wholly up to us to learn to be in control of ourselves. The Father's loyal children, those who have been born of the Spirit, are always masters of the self and its bodily desires. Our part is continuously to practice self-control and its associated virtues such as self-restraint, temperance, and moderation. In developing our self-control, we may look to Jesus as our ideal. He was a perfected specimen of self-control. When he suffered, he uttered no threats against his tormentors. When he was crucified, he even prayed for the forgiveness of the soldiers who nailed him to the cross, for they know not what they do. Our manifestation of greatness on earth is our exhibition of self-control. A rugged self-control is the acme of all human virtues. It has been well said that he who rules his own self is greater than he who takes a city. Self-control is also essential to our advancement in the kingdom. The fruits of the Spirit all depend upon our exercise of self-control and are not possible without it. Sincere prayer is a powerful force for increasing our self-control, and emotional maturity is essential to the growth of self-control. Our growth in self-control brings us enhanced liberty and leads to altruistic service. We must ever be vigilant to assure that we maintain a proper balance between self-liberty and self-control. Liberty, without the ever-increasing conquest of self, is a figment of the egoistic mortal imagination. The spontaneous bearing of the fruits of the Spirit in our daily lives leads to the highest type of enjoyable and ennobling self-control, true self-mastery. In attaining self-mastery, we reach the heights of earthly moral attainment. Jesus, in his life on earth, demonstrated the secret of self-mastery, faith in the Father's indwelling Spirit. Self-mastery is the measure of our moral nature and the indicator of our spiritual development. If I am to live as a child of God, I will ever seek to grow in self-control and eventually attain true self-mastery. 
Although the father is happy for his children's success in all material endeavors that do not violate his will, our truly important work lies in the spiritual realm. God is spirit, and God's will for us is that we grow in spiritual achievement, make spiritual progress throughout our lives. This progress occurs primarily through gradual growth and also through our response to specific crises. Our spiritual growth is predicated on humility, our consciousness of being poor in spirit, combined with perfection hunger, our hunger and thirst after righteousness. Spirituality is the measure of our closeness to God and is proportional to the elimination of selfishness in our love for others. We grow in spirituality by maintaining our connection with God and continuously bearing spiritual fruit. By increasingly and spontaneously showing forth the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives, we guarantee that we are making spiritual progress. Our highest happiness is linked to our spiritual progress and achievement. Lack of spiritual progress is a problem not only for individuals, but also for civilizations. The higher a civilization ascends, the greater the need for spiritual direction seeking first the ways of heaven. At the present time in world history, Western civilization is at a standstill in spiritual development. We are not making spiritual progress. We have left the religions of fear and superstition without replacing them with the revelatory religion of love, the religion of Jesus. The greatest barrier we face in renewing our spiritual progress is modern secularism. It dominates Western civilization and blights the spiritual experience of millions. For more than 300 years, the thinking of both Europe and America has been progressively secularized. Even a majority of professed believers in Jesus are unwittingly actual secularist. The secular way of life ignores God and lived as if he did not exist or does not matter. It discards ethics and religion in favor of politics and power. It brings totalitarianism in its wake and betrays man into political and economic slavery. Without a shared belief in God to unite us, our secularistic human society is slowly disintegrating. What is to be done to overcome this great secular threat? What is now needed is a new and more exclusive focus on Jesus and his original gospel of the kingdom, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Modern culture must become spiritually baptized with a new revelation of Jesus' life 
and a new understanding of his gospel of eternal salvation. It is only this return to Jesus and his actual teachings that has the power to overcome our present state of spiritual stagnation and renew our spiritual progress. The great hope of our civilization is for a spiritual renaissance, a spiritual rebirth of Jesus' kingdom of God in the hearts of individual believers. In this great conflict between secularism and the teachings of Jesus, the way of Jesus will eventually triumph. This concludes part four of I Am a Son of God. I will continue this discussion in my next broadcast. If you would like to gain a clearer view of Jesus and his original teachings, I invite you to order my book, The Life and Teachings of Jesus. Here is what one reviewer had to say about this book. Like the Jefferson Bible, it sorts and rearranges material from the New Testament Gospels to attain a more authentic and chronologically ordered story. It is very well done, and the footnotes are helpful. The index is quite detailed and useful as a topical reference. This review was written by Meredith Sprunger, retired minister of the United Church of Christ and chairman of the Liberal Arts Department at the Indiana Institute of Technology. A beautiful leather-bound edition of The Life and Teachings of Jesus is available from Amazon. The Life and Teachings of Jesus is also available as an e-book and in abridged form as an audiobook. You may also find it online at thelifeandteachingsofjesus.org. Links to all these editions are listed in the description. If you enjoyed this broadcast and found it helpful, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you. See you next time.